0: 70% of learning happens on the job, experiential, 20% is peer-to-peer, 10% is formal. What we have seen in the last couple of decades is most of the digital or the technology was focused on that 10% of formal educational programs. Finally, we are seeing that digital is driving all of it, not just formal, but social and experiential as well. And that shift just has opened up the market
1: 10x. I'm Jeff Cobb. I'm Selisa Steele. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to Episode 270 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This penultimate episode in our series on the frontiers of learning technology features a conversation with Ashish Rangnekar. Ashish Rangnekar is a self described lifelong learner and co founder and CEO of Bench Prep. Bench Prep has built what Ashish calls a learning operating system, a full stack learning platform that organizations can use to build and grow their learning business. Bench Prep's mission is to empower every organization to become a great learning organization and thrive in the new digital world order. With that mission in mind, for the last decade, Bench Prep has been helping credentialing bodies, associations, and training companies digitally transform their learning business and deliver the best digital learning experience to drive outcomes and increase revenue. Jeff spoke with Ashish in March 2021.
2: Now, there are a lot of platforms out there, obviously, these days, and a lot of it's because of everything that's happened in the past year. There's even more interest in online learning and learning platforms. It's starting to feel a little bit from my perspective, like the dot-com days back when I got my start in, in e-learning, because a lot of investors are now interested in learn tech. And I know they're interested in you, that you've got investors. I'm wondering, you know, as somebody who's leading a learn tech company, who's growing a learn tech company, who has investors. What's different now, in your opinion, if anything, about any of those past surges in learn tech investment that we've seen? You know, What's the opportunity that investors are seeing right now, especially in this adult lifelong learning market that we both serve?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say categorically, um, this is an absolutely amazing and transformative time for a learning technology Company and the industry as a whole. Even before we get to the specific interest in learning tech, I'll tell you a slightly different story. So, one of my favorite charts or trends to look at when I talk about this is one that comes from the music industry. 10 years ago, and I wish I could like show you the chart, but you can, the audience can visualize this. 10 years ago, music streaming was less than 5% of music revenue. Today, it is well beyond 80%. That is crazy to see just in 10 years. Streaming revived the entire music industry. That was the solution that the modern consumer wanted, every label and every artist wanted. This is where I believe the education and training industry is today. Less than 3% of all education spend is digital. I bet 10 years from now, we're going to look at this chart and Laugh at it and see how the industry has transformed in the last ten years. So that's what the investors are looking at, essentially. Like you know, they're going to see this transformation coming in. But let me answer your question directly. So, I've been doing this for a decade now, and I've seen three macro shifts that have happened in our society, that's leading to this enormous potential. And why I believe that three percent is going to kind of you know jump to eighty percent in the training space. First is the fourth industrial revolution. As a society, we are going through this massive transformation, one that is driven by technology that is fundamentally changing the way we live, we work and relate to one another. That's the fourth industrial revolution. And finally, as a society, we have fully accepted and embraced it. And as this revolution unfolds, I believe that every professional, irrespective of the industry, healthcare, technology, finance, everywhere, and every organization will have to retrain how they work and operate. So that's kind of the very macro shift that has happened in the last 10 years. That has led to the second one, which is very learning specific, which is that finally lifelong learning has become an absolute economic reality it's not a buzzword anymore. Because of this fourth industrial revolution change, we are seeing the likes of Amazon spending more than a billion dollars in upskilling and reskilling. at spending billions of dollars. Now we are seeing that so much learning is happening beyond the traditional degree programs and higher ed. Big true change and dollars are going towards lifelong learning. And that's a whole different world and whole new opportunity. And then we come into the technology piece of it. And finally, we have entered an era of digital first, digital all, digital only learning. Jeff, everyone like us who have spent a lot of time in in this space understands this 70-20-10 model of learning and development. 70% of learning happens on the job, experiential, 20% is peer-to-peer, 10% is formal. What we have seen in the last couple of decades is most of the digital or the technology was focused on that 10% of formal educational programs. Finally, we are seeing that digital is driving all of it, not just formal, but social and experiential as well. And that shift just has opened up the market 10x. So you see like the big The industrial revolution driving the change. Finally, lifelong learning becoming absolute economic reality. We are entering the world of digital first, digital all, digital only learning. All this was already happening. And then the pandemic, which just accelerated everything by at least five years. So you look at all this, and I'm actually not surprised at all that there is a lot of investor interest because the potential in the next 10 years is once in a lifetime,
2: and so you and I are talking uh, as part of a podcast series that's going to be about the frontiers of learning technology. So we're very focused on you know what's going on out there. You've been hinting at this, but when you think about that phrase "frontiers of learning technology," what comes to mind for you?
0: Actually, Andy Groves' NX concept comes to my mind. So I'm a big fan of Andy Groves' management philosophy. He was the ex-CEO of Intel and a management guru, if you will. He wrote this book, I think it's called Only Paranoids Survive. And in this book, he introduces this concept called 10x change or a 10x moment. It's a moment that signifies change that is so big that all bets are off. Change that is order of magnitude bigger than anything that we are used to. And when you said frontiers of learning technology, that's what comes to my mind. What are the technologies, the concepts, the business models, the organizations that are leading such a 10x change in our industry? Those are those like the frontiers.
2: And when you think about what's going on right now, obviously a lot of developments in the world of learning, the world of learning technology, a lot of hype, a lot of buzz out there. I mean, what are some of the trends? That you think have the most potential for really significant positive impact say you know in the near future that say
0: within three years or so i do agree that there is a lot lot of stuff going on the the one specific area where i feel they have only started to scratch the surface and that can drive order of magnitude that 10x change that i was kind of talking about is data our ability Our collective ability to leverage data, I think, can truly transform our ability to drive learning and business outcomes. And not just there. I think if we leverage, if we collect, analyze, and deploy the right data models, it can bring equity and access to learning like never, never before. So I think that's one area where I'm actually extremely bullish on. And Jeff, it's all all very interconnected. As things go digital, it's much easier to collect data. It's very clear that it has become very cheap to collect data over the last 10 years. I mean, storage is cheaper. The technology has caught up where you can truly collect or store every click, every minute, every response for every single learning activity. I still feel that we are in this first phase of that transformation where everyone is kind of focused on data collection and we need to kind of quickly get into the second phase of actually deploying insights back into the the learning models. And as we start doing that, I feel it's going to be much cheaper to create content, it's going to be much quicker to drive learning outcomes, and it's going to be much faster to innovate because we would know exactly where to innovate. So when, even when we go in and work with a lot of associations, our first, no, I wouldn't say first, but I think one of the important focus areas is how do we actually make sure that they are enabled on the data front? So I think all of the, the, the I won't even say hype, all the technology developments happening in the area of AI and machine learning and data storage, to me, I think that is one trend that is going to create a massive impact in near term in the next like three years.
2: There are a lot of things that look like they're going to have some serious positive impact. There are also just a ton of shiny objects out there right now, a lot of things that are being hyped that are potentially distracting us from doing the more important work. Are, are there are there any things on your your short list that sort of you wish we would stop focusing so much on this and, and get to the, the real work?
0: So, Jeff, I actually buy into the hype. I'm that kind of a person. Right? So, for me, I think a lot of these technologies, which anyone, someone else would consider hype, for me, it's just a matter of prioritization and timing. Even data, I would have said like five years ago, I would have kept it in. It's not a hype, but... People who should truly, or organizations should should truly understand are they ready for this kind of technology or not? So, when you say, like, what are the the shiny objects, I would say it's actually, it depends on the the specific learning organization and what their goal is. I'll give you kind of three examples, three very specific examples. I feel that there's a lot of really phenomenal work going on in the world of immersive technology for learning and uh, the specific examples are like you know labs and simulations and you know augmented reality and so on and it's a spectrum of things right it starts with like a little bit of like interactive content goes into you know one dimensional labs and then simulations to all the way to the truly augmented reality there's a concept called gartner's hype cycle you know where the the specific you know piece of technology is in the cycle of commercialization. We work with associations that are fully ready to embrace augmented reality based on where they are in their digital transformation lifecycle and the industry that they are in. While on the other hand, there are associations that are not even ready to fully take on labs and simulations because of the complexity of the industry that they are in. So I think for me, this hype cycle depends on where you're at. I have seen really good implementations of simulations with some of our technology associations that we work with. On the other hand, we have actually also seen some of the healthcare associations try their hand on these augmented reality or truly immersive technology solutions, which actually kind of really worked well in a smaller group, but couldn't really scale. So, literally, we can actually go through each and every piece of interesting technology innovation happening, either it be personalization, AI, machine learning, either it's immersive technology, virtual events, and all of that would actually fall under in that spectrum based on. What the specific association and their
2: needs are. I think that's such a good point that it does really depend on where an organization is. We often talk in terms of the the maturity of the learning business. Where do they sort of lie along a spectrum? And of course, the ones that are mature, more mature, are going to be more ready to uh, to to leverage what's now possible. And it makes me wonder. I you know made the reference and dated myself earlier, saying that I sort of cut my teeth back in the the dot com days with e learning. And back then, I mean, we thought everything was going to change overnight, you know, that it was going to go completely digital, that everybody's going to be learning online. And it took like, you know, 30 years for that to to, to happen. What's your thinking right now? We've obviously seen a big disruption in the last year, a lot of shift online. But, you know, when you look forward from here over the next three to five years, I mean, are most organizations ready for this? Are we going to see, you know, really breakthrough and disruptive innovation? Or is it going to be more of that... High expectations, but but maybe things aren't going to transform as quickly as we might be hoping they will right now.
0: Jeff, I feel humans are, when it comes to innovation and change, I think we overestimate the time that it takes for truly disruptive, and we underestimate the time it takes for something that is actually kind of just like next to us. And I think that's what is going to happen. I am betting on net-net overall disruptive innovation, no doubt. My answer would have been very different, maybe like 12 or 18 months ago, pre-pandemic. But now it is very, very clear that we are definitely getting pushed in this direction. We have worked with associations that were not ready to change and were actually almost took pride in not changing and not embracing truly disruptive change. And they have come full circle and heavily investing in it. So net-net, I'm actually very convinced that it it is going to be a disruptive change. However, I think the way it is going to happen is going to be a step change. What we are seeing right now is many of the associations fully understand that they would have to make big changes in terms of their learning technology, learning stack, the way they kind of operate all the way to their business model. However, in some cases, the technology itself hadn't really fully caught up. And that catching up or that commercialization is going to take time. And a perfect example of that is even a simple thing like video conferencing. I mean, it has been around for a while. Everyone knew that, hey, we are moving in a direction where peer-to-peer interactions over video are going to be critically important, but we haven't really seen true innovation at scale in this particular space yet. What happened in the last 12 months is everyone moved online, everyone moved to Zoom, Skype, GoToMark- uh, GoToMeeting and so on. And that level of scale and commercialization is going to yield much better innovation over the next 18 to 24 months. So those are the kind of things where I feel from a mindset perspective, learning organization and associations have begun to fully embrace it. And now there is enough scale or demand for it, that technology companies are, are beginning to invest in it. And we're, we're going to see that happen over the next 24 to 36 months easy.
2: And if we look further out, you know, let's say you're able to be uh Doctor Who, if you're familiar with that show or if, if listeners know who Doctor Who is, you can get in your police box and travel out in time, 10, 20, 30 years, pick your time horizon. But if you're able to really look out in the distant future... What's it look like? Are we, you know, are we wearing chips in our head that's feeding our, our learning stream into us, or what's the real future of learn tech look like?
0: On that note, I'm actually a big fan of how they showed it in Matrix. Do you remember that scene where it's like, oh, you, I want to learn like, you know, I don't know, kung fu or martial arts and just kind of you know get that injected. I wish we could get there. I wish we could get there. I think that that'll be the best thing ever. And I think my reasoning for that is, to me, the impact of learning or the outcome is so important. And I wish, as an industry, we can actually start focusing more on the outcome than the process itself. But that's, that's kind of one just philosophical aspect to it. I feel one of the big high-in-the-sky wishes that I have is innovation around true peer-to-peer social learning i think this is where we're going to see um, i mean if, if i look at like you know maybe like 15 to 20 years from now i think technology can make a big difference in the way we learn from each other learning at the core is a very social activity i mean we learn way more from each other talking to each other watching each other than anything else right? and that two way interaction i feel I mean, it's evident in the events that we attend, the conferences, the the interactions over videos and and so on. But I don't think it has reached the scale that it needs to in the digital world. I think right now we are still living in a world where social learning is an enabler to like me learning from one particular instructor or me learning from a book or me learning from like a digital course. It's a mindset that like blockchain has, it's kind of completely decentralized. It's actually all in small nodes and small bits and pieces in multiple kind of computing sets. I think that is something that's going to happen in the world of learning, where I'm actually not really tethered to one particular instructor or one particular provider or one particular course, but I'm actually learning from bits and pieces from every single interaction that is going on. In almost like you know, every facet of my life with every single individual. So this kind of decentralization and peer-to-peer learning is that kind of high in the sky futuristic kind of wish I have.
2: I like that. And it's interesting that I mean, certainly that's something that can be enabled, supported by technology, can greatly benefit from technology. It's also, I, I find just such a mindset shift because people are so it's so ingrained, you know, that we equate learning. With education, we equate it with formal education, with classes, with courses, with seminars, with conferences. But you know, what you're saying reflects the reality, which is learning is happening all the time, everywhere. And if we can have that mindset shift and have the technology to support that mindset shift, that's a huge leap forward.
1: If you're looking for a partner to help with your organization's digital transformation, check out Bench Prep, our sponsor for this series.
3: BenchPrep is a pioneer in the modern learning space, digitally transforming professional learning for corporations, credentialing bodies, associations, and training companies for over a decade. With an award-winning learner-centric cloud-based platform, BenchPrep enables learning organizations to deliver the best digital experience to drive learning outcomes and increase revenue. The platform's omni-channel delivery incorporates personalized learning pathways, robust instructional design principles, gamification and near real-time analytics that allow organizations across all industries to achieve their goals. More than 6 million learners have used Benchprep's platform to attain academic and professional success. Benchprep publishes regular content sharing the latest in e-learning trends. To download our latest ebooks, case studies, white papers, and more, go to www.benchprep.com resources.
1: We're truly grateful to Bench Prep for helping to make this series possible, and we encourage you to find out more at BenchPrep.com resources. Now, back to the conversation with Jeff and Ashish.
2: When you think about getting this right, near-term and long-term, I mean, what's the good that can come out of a better understanding of learning in general, but then, I mean, specifically, you know, learning technology and, and, and what learning technology is going to hopefully make possible for us. What are the beneficial outcomes if we get that right?
0: At the highest level, if we get that right, we truly elevate human potential. That's what is at stake. I mean, truly sounds philosophical, but that is the impact of learning and training. I am the living and breathing example of it. I come from a small town in India where I grew up in, in you know, had a comfortable life, but I would say like, you know, nothing compared to being the CEO of a fast growth technology company with an office in Willis Tower in Chicago. A lot of people helped me to get here. But one of the key factors was access to the right education. Training and learning throughout, not just formal but informal, lifelong, and so on. And that is what is possible. And I feel, and going back to the fourth industrial revolution kind of piece of it, it's not just a buzzword anymore. Today, millions and millions and millions of people all across the world, when I, mean, I would say hundreds of millions of people all across the world, have to change their. Their jobs, their way of thinking, have to learn, unlearn, relearn, upskill, reskill over the next ten years, and the economy and the society needs it. So, if we get this right, if we can truly leverage technology to drive change and drive learning outcomes at scale, we are talking about you know having a tremendous impact on GDP. Which leads to tremendous impact on just overall lifestyle of standard of living of every human out there. And then, like individual satisfaction. I mean, I truly believe that every human wants to learn and do better in life. And learning is an enabler towards that. People learn, people go through training so that they can get a better job. They want a better job so that they can, you know, maybe potentially earn better. So, uh, take care of their family. And all of this starts with actually helping them in their learning outcomes. And finally, we have arrived at a point where technology, which is a true enabler of that, can make the difference. So, that's what it's at stake. And we can truly elevate human potential and have an impact at a macro scale if we can get learning technology right.
2: Now I'm wondering if there's a potential downside or even dark side as well. I and mean, you brought up the Matrix earlier, which it's you know it's really cool when you can kind of plug in the training and learn kung fu or learn how to fly a helicopter. But obviously, there's a huge dark side to the Matrix as well. When you're talking about impacting people's minds, not just knowledge and skills, but behaviors and, and attitudes, things can go wrong. You could imagine, you know, that there might even be a Maybe not something as dark as the matrix, but a sort of rich get richer side to this, where the people who figure it out and get access to the learning and learn how to capitalize on the technology, their potential goes up, but maybe all boats don't go up at the same rate. How might we get this wrong? You know, what, what do we need to be cautious about as we move
0: forward? Great question. I think there are three, and I, I, we think about this a lot. I think there are three areas of concern in this, so like how we can kind of get this wrong. First is, I think, what you guys talked about, which is like the power of AI and data. And would that like lead us in a direction which we don't want to go? Second is this enormous kind of consolidation of power, which in a way we have actually seen that in the big tech industry with like the Facebooks and the Googles and the Amazons of the world. I am actually most concerned about the third piece. And I'm not saying the first two are not that important. The third piece, which is I feel if we don't get the learning technology right, then in a broad way, society or the learning organizations would be pessimistic about the impact and would be slow to adopt it, which would actually take us in a direction which we don't want to go. So it's almost like I'm actually, if it, I'm worried that in the hype of all this, if organizations are not diligent about how do they truly leverage or deploy learning technology, do it in a suboptimal way, leading to suboptimal or not intended results, and then just kind of back off of it. And if they do that, then I would say like all of the, the getting it right piece that we talked about, we're going to have a hugely negative impact of it. We are going to leave hundreds of millions of people behind because learning technology couldn't really scale to provide them with the equity and access, and lack of that would lead to a whole new set of economic and social problems. I mean, if you look at the last 10 years, I think that's where the issue has been. We get into these hype cycles, and we talked about the hype cycles. Not that the actual piece of technology is not good enough or incorrect. It's how do we actually truly deploy it in a way that can drive change and if that is not ha- happening in a, uh, appropriately then we get good technologies get shovelled and we just kind of you know go back to our old ways and the kind of change that we are seeing right now with technology going back to the old ways would just not cut it we're going to leave people behind it creates all kinds of social economical political problems and it's not good for anyone that's what I would consider getting it wrong
2: And so if I'm a decision maker at a learning business listening to you right now talk about what the possibilities are what the potential pitfalls are I'm trying to make decisions for you know my learning business my Trader professional association, my training firm, my continuing education division, whatever it is, wherever it is that I'm doing my work. What advice do you have for that person for that learning business that wants to effectively use learning technology and decide, you know, right now where where should I focus, where should I invest in the near term to to help ensure the greatest success going forward?
0: Jeff, sure. first I would say that professional associations and learning organizations are at a very very critical point there is so much opportunity ahead for them that it's insane and we talk to hundreds of associations and learning organizations you know all the time it's very clear that we are in the uh, i call it like second inning of a nine inning game this transformation has all is only beginning and there is so much opportunity and potential in front. And I say all this to highlight that as these learning executives are thinking about learning technology or just kind of how their business evolves, they got to be thinking long-term. So, I have three pieces of with, with that in mind, I have three pieces of advice or generally kind of three big considerations I would request learning executives to think through. First is Goal. As they start on this journey to figure out how do they effectively use learning technology, they got to ask themselves, what are they trying to solve? Are they trying to optimize what they have or are they truly trying to digitally transform? Those are two very different goals leading to very different process and outcomes. I am a firm believer of the fact that if you think long-term, you have to go through this digital transformation sooner than later. In fact, every technology company has to transform every five years. But having said that, it has to start with a very candid view into what exactly the goal is. Is it transformation or is it optimization? So that's kind of first. Second is you've got to truly identify what are the triggers of this change, What is happening around you that is actually causing this change? And I think this is where that 10x moment comes in. You might want to transform, but it's not just an inside-out transformation. It's also kind of outside-in. How is the market changing? How are the customer behaviors changing? How is the industry changing? How is the competitive set changing? I think I've seen a lot of associations and training companies change due to challenges that that, that are internal to them and that's a good starting point but if you kind of go on to pick a learning technology or pick a learning platform or just kind of make these transformative decisions without understanding the 10x changes happening around you it's going to be suboptimal so i'd say that's the second one that understand and identify these 10x changes around you which leads to the trigger points that why are you even kind of you know looking to use a learning technology and the third piece is the solution I'm a firm believer that irrespective of you're trying to optimize or transform or what you are trying to, what the trigger points are, when it comes to the solution, it's not about one tool or one platform. It is about the technology stack that you put together. Now, we as a company, Bench Prep, we have what what I consider one of the best learning platforms out there, but it's still a piece of the puzzle. Associations and training companies have to design their technology stack. That's the solution. All of us, all of the, the platform providers and other vendors are part of that solution. We are the enablers, not the solution. So that's kind of the third piece of advice I would say, like you know, start with the entire technology stack and work backwards from it to figure out what learning platform, what learning technology, what vendor, what LMS fits into it not the other
2: way around. I think that is so important. We we always, you know, stress with everything we do that you know really starting with strategy, having those goals in mind, as you're saying, knowing clearly what the situation is, what what you're trying to solve for, and and having an idea of how to solve for that, and then bringing technology to bear in that. And as you noted, it's typically going to be multiple technologies. It is going to be that stack that you're going to be working with. So. Thanks so much for sharing your perspectives, Ashish. I mean, you're out there on the front lines in the learning technology world, so it's great to have the many different perspectives you're able to bring from working with so many different types of learning businesses.
1: Ashish Rangnekar is co-founder and CEO of BenchPrep. BenchPrep offers a learning operating system, a full-stack learning platform that organizations can use to build and grow their learning business. Ashish is passionate about learning and would be happy to talk lifelong learning, professional development, learning technology, and anything in between. You can connect with him directly at Ashish at BenchPrep.com.
2: We encourage you to visit BenchPrep's website to learn more about what they offer, and they make many resources available at BenchPrep.com slash resources. We link to those resources and the show notes for this episode that you can find at leadinglearning.com slash episode 270, along with a transcript of my conversation with Ashish.
1: At leadinglearning.com slash episode 270, you will also see options for subscribing to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss future episodes, we encourage you to subscribe. And subscribing also helps us get some data on the impact of the podcast.
2: And we'd be grateful if you'd take a minute to rate us on Apple Podcast. So Lisa and I personally appreciate it. And those reviews and ratings help us show up when people search for content on leading a learning business. Just go to leadinglearning.com slash Apple to leave a review and rating.
1: Lastly, please spread the word about leading learning. In the show notes at leadinglearning.com slash episode 270, there are links to find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook.
2: Thanks again, and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.